Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fifth Down. I'm your host, Jose, with me tonight are Brad and Juni. What's up, guys? Not much. Casted my ballot. Hope everyone else did as well. Yes, I did Sorry. mine. Verified was accepted. Everybody get out and vote. You know, make your voice heard. Yep. Um, Go Trump. Know, Go Trump. Respect. Yeah. Nah. I'm riding with Joe. MAGA, baby. Let's go. Riding with Joe. Now we're we're all on the Joe train. You know, regardless of who you you go for, you know, just make your voice heard. Get out there and vote. And, you know, regardless of who wins, do not – Let's not have any riots or yeah. Don't know. tilt. Don't tilt trade. Don't panic. Yeah, let's, calm down. Let's respect the the outcome. You know, if in four years, you know, hopefully we don't have to deal with another four years of the current administration. But you know, as much as they've tried, democracy still exists, and um, even if they have another four years, they will not be able to turn this into the dictatorship they wish to. So, feel safe in that aspect. Our democracy was still long lived because that's why we have branches of government that stop those things from happening. But we're not a political show. We are a sports show. So, you know, tonight we're going to do a recap of week eight. It was a, it was a tough week, man. Um, fan, uh, you know, in fantasy, uh, a lot of low scoring games, weather was not um, good for, for fantasy owners. Um, especially in Cleveland, Chicago, um, Buffalo, weather was not the best. So um, we had a lot of wind, rain, some snow, um, and a lot of injuries too. Man, Brad, do you, does San Francisco have more players on IR than on the active roster? I think that's the plan. Um, if you have players on IR, you have a bigger roster. So you get, more, you get a larger pool of players. Um, I like the plan, you know. You know, and and it was crazy because um, Kittle walked off under his own power, and it seemed like it was a minor injury. And now it's it it came out today that he's out for eight weeks. What the uh, hell? Yeah, apparently you know a a broken bone in in the foot, and you know if if you're not good with anatomy, hands and feet contain so many bones, so. You, you know, it's one of those things where it's unfortunate that it happened, but, you know, he got paid. Wish him the best. Hopefully it's a speedy recovery. And, you know, next man up, Ross, Ross Dwelly, Reed. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can get going. And Jimmy G went down again as well. I mean, do we think it's going to mark the, the end of the season for both of those guys? Um, yeah, honestly, they might come back. Uh, Kittle might come back with a game, uh, left, uh, Garoppolo, you know, he may come back with two games left. Who honestly knows, um, if we're going to see him suit up this season. Um, if it's, uh, I mean, we're going to know before it happens. And if the season's already a wash, you know, just keep them off the field make sure that they don't get injured again and, you know, get them, get the team healthy back for next year. Yeah, and um, Junie, uh, reports out of Washington are that um, Kerrigan isn't too happy 
what's going on there? Honestly, there's there's two reports. There's reports that he wants to uh, he's demanding a trade, and then the other reports are um, he's he wants to stay in Washington and he's loyal to the organization. So uh, with Ryan Kerrigan, I've I've never um, portrayed him to be a guy who you know is selfish and about himself. So I'm kind of um, favoring the other report where he's uh, he's more loyal with the um, with the Washington football team. Um, I know he's not getting the snaps and the playing time he wants, but uh, if they if they um, have a major playoff push, I think he'll be a big part of that. Oh yeah, you know he's a good locker room guy, um, but you know Washington was on by this week, so they couldn't stay completely quiet now. They they had to make some noise. remind people that they are the Washington football team. Yes. Second place in the NFC East. Yes. Yeah. And only a game out. Well, since there was a tie, is it like a game and a half or is it like a game and a quarter? How does that work? If it's a half. Yeah. Game and a half. But um, the teams that did play this weekend, there was some uh, interesting outcomes. Um, I did not see the Packers laying a dud like they did at home. I mean, I know the Vikings are better than their record, but I did not expect them um, to come in and just have Dalvin Cook run down the Packers defenders like they don't exist. I mean, did the did the Packer um, linebackers take the day off, Brad, or what happened there? I mean, when you take a look at the Packer defense, they've always been bad against the run. You take a look at what Dalvin Cook was able to do earlier this year. You take a look at what Ronald Jones was able to do with them. You know, it's something that they have to get that they have to get control of, especially if you have aspirations of making a deep playoff push. So it, it doesn't surprise me. You know, that I think was it was two parts. It was they couldn't stop the running game. They didn't have an answer, and the wind really impacted them. Um, you know, as, as strong as as strong of an arm as, as Aaron Rodgers has, it just needed to be, you know, off by a couple of inches and there was no connection there. So, I mean, that played, I think, a, a bigger role than, than was actually expected. And, you know, divisional games are always close, especially rivalry games like that. If you look at the, um, the, uh, com- com- or the pass attempts from both teams, Kirk Cousins attempted 14 and Aaron Rodgers attempted 41, uh, 30 carries to uh, Green Bay's uh, 24. So um, definitely, you know, it was definitely a running game due to the wind. And uh, the Packers have to address the defensive front. I mean, they're, they're talking about getting Will Fuller in a trade to, uh, to add to that wide receiver core. But I feel like they need to add more to their uh, defensive front uh, to stop the run. Because like what Brad said, if they want to... Uh, if they want to make it to the Super Bowl, they have to uh, make those adjustments on that defensive line. Yeah, yes. and, there are, mm-hmm. and there are some guys out there available, um, especially um, on defense. I know Atlanta has made um, Tarek McKinley, I believe is his name. They're for, uh, foreign yeah. there. Yeah, they've made mm-hmm. him available. So, I mean, that could be a good um, option for them. Um, maybe they can uh, – see if Dallas is doing a fire sale, you know, on any other guys. Um, they have some solid options on the front. I mean, even a guy like Alden Smith, you know, he's he's been okay since coming back from his five-year layoff. Um, 
I mean, San Francisco traded Quan Alexander today. So, you know, there's definitely players available out there. You just, you have to look. And I know Green Bay, they've never really been big on trades. They, they like to draft. They like to, they're not, they're not big on free agency in general. They, they like to build from within, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old. You've kind of set a window for him by drafting love. Um, so I don't think they can keep waiting on building from within. I think it's time for them to make some moves and just go for it, you know? Yeah, they, they really have to address that that run D. If, if, I mean, the Packers last year were a pretty good team when you take a look at the record. But when they got into the playoffs in the NFC Championship game, they got ran over and the, and the defense actually, you know, the Niner defense, you smashed them. And when you take a look at what they're going to have to go through in the NFC, you're talking about a Tampa defense that is yeah. comparable or better than San Francisco's last year. You're talking about, yeah, you're talking about a team that is also willing to run and establish the run. Um, the Saints, you know. They're nasty too. They're, they're, they're hard-hitting. Yeah. And they are willing to run with Kamara and, and Murray. So when when you, t- you take a look at any of those teams that have deep playoff run aspirations, they're going to run the ball and play defense. And that's the one thing the Packers are going to need to address real fast. Yeah, but I don't think there was any game affected by the weather conditions more than um, the Raiders and the Browns. Man, that, you know... If that's the game you chose to watch on Sunday, uh, I feel for you, you know, and you're a very brave soul. It was not a fun game to watch. It was, you know, it was just both teams, they went run heavy um, because you couldn't really throw the ball. I mean, and the thing with Baker and and Derek Carr is they don't have the arms that a guy like Aaron Rodgers has. So, you know, they already had that going against them. And so they both went with the run heavy um, plan. And there was a lot of field goals involved, some some misses due to the the weather. But do you, do you guys kind of give Baker a break this week just based on the fact that the weather was so bad? No, you still got to win the game. You got to put your team in position to win, and you still have to make those critical plays when when they matter. What what about the throw to Jarvis Landry where Jarvis Landry bobbled it in the end zone? I mean, I mean, you don't put that all on Baker, but, you know, there were other plays that he could have got. And, you know, he's the quarterback of the, of the franchise. Three years in, you know, have to hold him accountable. I would give him a break because uh, going into the fourth quarter, it was a tied game. Um, so it, it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it was a running battle. And um, like what Jose said, I mean, Jarvis Landry, uh, missed out on a touchdown, which could have, you know, changed the game or um, had them closer, you know, or tying the game. Um, but definitely next game, um, you know, there's no excuses and he has to perform. Are the Raiders a tricky, one of those tricky teams that we need to keep an eye on going forward? Yeah, I, I think they have pieces. They're well coached. Um, they have they have playmakers. So, yeah, that's not one of those teams you want to overlook because Darren Waller can show up. Any one of these guys can show up and, and just ruin your day. 
Um, I mean, I don't think they're that great, honestly. Uh, they have a tough schedule. Uh, Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs, Falcons, uh, not the Jets, Indianapolis, L.A., Miami, Denver. And to me, those, those games are tough. Um, coming down the stretch, stretch, I mean, so for me, honestly, like I'm, I've never been a Derek Carr fan, and you guys know that. And um, I just, I think, uh, I think they need a better quarterback in there to um, not just manage the game, but make plays. Yeah, I, I mean, there's mo- there's games like the one in Kansas City where I, I love Derek Carr. And then there's games like the one against Buffalo earlier in the year where you just like, man, this guy, what the what the hell's wrong with him? His problem is he's he's too like he's bipolar. He's like a you know, he's a bipolar quarterback. One week he can come out and have three incompletions the whole game, no turnovers, and then the next game, he's not gonna throw that many interceptions, but fumbles, he he has issues with fumbling. And he, I think he has issues that he gets too attached to his little five-yard connections. And, you know, that becomes too predictable. And when you don't open the field up more, it kind of stag- it makes your offense stagnant. So I think that, that tends to happen with Oakland too. And especially now that you have Ruggs and Aguilar, like you got to take some shots downfield. I mean, why do you have speedy guys like that if you're not going to utilize them? Yeah, he um, he's not consistent, and that's why I, I I've never been a fan of his because, like what you said, he he'll have bomb games and then he'll have games where, you know, he's very conservative. And in this league, look at the top quarterbacks; they're not conservative. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, all these guys take chances. Tom Brady, like in in this league, you have to take chances to win. And, uh, you know, you can't be conservative unless if you have the, um, the Baltimore Ravens uh, uh, 2000, 2001 defense. Yeah, that's very true. Um, we also, Sunday also marked the debut of Tua uh, for Miami. It was not a great debut, but he, he didn't make too many mistakes and they won the game mainly because of their special teams and their defense. But still just looking at his play, do you guys think it was too soon to bring him in? No. Um, you know, when you take a look at the amount of draft picks they have invested, you have to you have to get started on it at some point. And, you know, if it's now or if it was, you know, in week 10, the, the sooner you get them at the speed, the better it is for your franchise. And yeah, it sucks because Fitzmagic was hot and he definitely deserved to remain the starter. But at the same time, the Dolphins organizations knew what they had to do. This was their future. Get started now. Because, you know, he's going to be there long term. Yeah, it didn't make sense uh, to me why they pulled uh, Fitzmagic this early in the season. I understand that they're coming off a bye and um, their plan was probably to bring Tua in around that time. But at the same time, it's, uh, Fitzmagic uh, was hot. And um, 12 of 22, 93 yards, one touchdown. To me, that, that's not that impressive. I mean, 
all he did was manage the game, which what you know before the past episode we were talking about just managing the game. Uh, but if this game was a shootout or if it was if if it was more competitive, I believe he would have been in trouble. Absolutely, and you know I'm not trying to start any comparisons here, but these are the same numbers that people used to get on Tim Tebow for. I mean, he used to have those type of games. I mean, they would win the game, but his numbers would look a lot like this. And that's why, you know, he only lasted one year as a starter in the NFL. So, I mean, we'll have to see if, you know, they have more patience with Tua or if he starts getting that same level of criticism that Tim Tebow did back in the day. Um, but as much as um, the special teams um, played a role for Miami, man, Jared Goff did not have a good day. What was up with that guy? I mean, he, you know, he, I know that he tends to have these type of games at times, but he had been playing really well as of late, and he just laid a dud on Sunday. What What do you guys think happened? Um, I think he just got out coached. I think Sean McVay got out coached uh, by um, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I don't think the Rams' offense is that impressive, honestly. They do a lot of um, lateral passes and a, a lot of uh, um, wide receiver jet screens. And and to me, I mean, when you have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, I think um, you need to utilize them more, especially in the mid-range um, to um, – to the long ball and um honestly they're with the running backs too you know they have three running backs that are serviceable but i don't think any of them are a running back one so um at the end of the day i mean you know when they when they when they go up against better teams i think they're going to get exposed especially in that division with seattle um and arizona yeah, the Rams are interesting. Uh, I mean, that started season, you know, McVay said that he really liked what Shanahan did with the running back by committee, and he was going to implement something like that. And you know what? He stuck to his gun, and that's definitely what he's doing right now. And what we also knew, especially when you take a look at last year, would, was that they'd be in a lot of 12 personnel. If you take a look at the end, the last eight games last year, you really saw Higby and Everett out there on the field at the same time. And that's what you're seeing. I mean, they are a run-heavy team at the moment, and they don't come out in that 11 personnel. So they don't have three wide receivers. They're really relying on establishing that run game. And Goff is one of those guys where he's going to need reps to, to, to get back into rhythm. And he unfortunately does, he doesn't have those reps right now. And, you know, it was a real stinker of a game from him. And – you know they're they're just gonna have to get them up to sp up, up to speed faster, and maybe they have to revert back to eleven personnel. Um, you know when they start to fall behind, and and especially when you take a look at Higby and Everett, one of them or both of them might be out. You might have to go back to that eleven personnel. Yeah, and we also had probably what was the game of the week in. Um... Pittsburgh and Baltimore, that, you know, those two teams are going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Um, Pittsburgh is looking like they might be up there with Kansas City. But 
Lamar Jackson, another guy that very much like Jared Goff, just had a rough day turnover wise. Um, it's you know it's crazy. We we never thought we were going to see an answer for the speed that Lamar Jackson had, and it seems like Pittsburgh figured him out. They were able to keep him in the box for the most part. He wasn't really able to get out of the box and be Lamar Jackson. And when he tried to and create something out of nothing, he turned it over. Um, do you guys think Pittsburgh got in his head or was it just a bad day in the office? The, the league is catching up to him. They have enough game footage on him now and they're, and they're developing strategies. We saw the same thing with Mike Vick. You know, it, it came to Philadelphia developing a muck rush to uh, – to, to start to give a game plan to defeat Michael Vick. And, and I think you're seeing that now with, with Lamar Jackson and, and Roman and that offense. Teams are figuring them out, and they're developing a plan on how to mitigate the damage that they do offensively. And when teams have you figured out, and if you can't move on to something else, it's going to be a rough year. And, and that's what we're seeing. He's gotten by, but that division is going to be a tight race. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's clearly the, the one seed in, in the AFC at the moment. And you have to hope that Baltimore can secure a wild card. But Cleveland's just right there. They could yeah. very well be, you know, they, they might have to get that second wild card spot, which is crazy to think because, you know, the Ravens and the Chiefs were the favorites to go to the Super Bowl and win it all. Yeah, it, it's really hard to win when you uh, turn over the ball uh, four times. Just from Lamar Jackson, he turned over the ball four times, especially with a division game, uh, being physical. And, um, you know, you guys hit on the head. Lamar Jackson is, is, is everyone's caught up to him now, and people have figured him out. And his deficiencies that he got away with last year, people are capitalizing on them. And he's not, he's not his accuracy is kind of getting exposed right now. I mean, there's, there's been plenty of passes uh, to Hollywood Brown that he's missed on. And it's unfortunate because that guy is, is a stud and he is not being utilized properly right now. Uh, the bright side is that J.K. Dobbins um, is playing now and he's uh, showing his talent. And I mean, he had 15 carries for 113 yards. So I think for them, I think they have to definitely utilize him more. Um, and um, He is a clear top uh, of those three guys that they yeah have he is the most upside yeah he he had a lot of explosion uh, the way he was cutting um between the tackles was amazing and um i think they need to utilize him more and then you know you also had probably the upset of the weekend uh cincinnati um uh, they beat the titans and made them look human um Ryan Tannehill had a, was another guy that had a rough day at the office. Um, and it's funny because it's a game where you expected him to really, like, you know, have one of his big days with multiple touchdowns, maybe a running TD, Henry to go for 200 yards, and that didn't happen. Cincinnati played with a lot of pride. And Joe Burrow, you know, he pulled this one out. And it's not even one of those where it was close. It was the, the Cincinnati controlled it throughout. They control the game and control the clock. And um, do you guys think that Ryan Tannehill is coming back to earth or is this Tennessee team really as good as it looked in the beginning of the season? I think they're good. I think they, um, they just had a couple of uh, rough games back to back. I mean, that Pittsburgh game, they were 
Um, they were very close to tying it and going to overtime. And then this game, it was, uh, it was very physical. Another game that the uh, weather elements had, um, uh, had interfered with. Um, Joe Burrow um, is progressing as we speak. Um, he's getting better. Um, he's uh, making plays. I mean, he had two touchdowns. Um, and I just think with that receiving core, I think he's just going to get better throughout the year. Um, but with going back to Tennessee, I mean, you know, they have a solid quarterback. Ryan Tannehill is a very solid quarterback. Uh, they have one of the best running backs in the game. And uh, we need to put a um, we need to put Jonu Smith on a milk carton because for some reason he's not showing up right now. Yeah, he has definitely got MIA. Yeah, and uh, I mean, my issue with Tennessee is not so much the offense. It is the defensive side of things. They actually have the worst pressure rate in the NFL. I think they're somewhere right around 3 or 4% of snaps are able to get pressure on the quarterback, and that's just not going to cut it in this league. And you let teams hang up, hang – you let any quarterback have enough time back there, and they will pick you apart, especially a team like Cincinnati with all the weapons they have on the perimeter. It's only a matter of time. If they're not able to generate pressure with Jadavian Clowney or find a way to manufacture sacks, they're going to have a rough time in that division especially when you take a look at the postseason. You can't give, you know, Patrick Mahomes that much time because he'll hang up 60 on you. You can't give Roethlisberger that much time because he'll hang, you know, like another 40 on you. You also can't give that kind of time to a Lamar Jackson. So they really have to shore up that, that, that defense and get pressure on the on quarterback because they haven't gotten any sacks, and that's what's killing them. They're letting teams hang around in these games that they should be killing with their running game. Jadavion Clowney, zero. Yeah. So far, zero. Maybe he needs to be put on a milk carton. <laughs> um, Adam, too. Yeah. Um, we need to put the Patriots on a milk carton because um, they, they've gone missing from the winning column. Um, you know, they, they're not, I mean, I've never seen the, <laughs> the Patriots lose this many games in a row. Um, but Hey, Bill Belichick is human. We figured it out. Um, they just do not look like a good football team right now. The bills beat them while not playing very well. Um, does new England have any chance of getting back into this division race? No, it's pretty competitive when you take a look at what Miami's doing and what Buffalo's doing. Um, it's going to be a tight one in the AFC, and I, and I don't think 8-8 eight and eight is going to cut it to get the wild card. Um, you know, everything everything throughout the years is, is adding up. When you take a look at their drafts and how badly they've hit on it and them losing, you know, players that they've made in free agency – I mean, you are seeing a dynasty come crumbling down right before your eyes. I don't think it's going to get much better. Um, you know, they might be able to squeeze off another three or four wins, but I just don't see them making it into the postseason. Yeah, I don't see it too. Uh, two and five, uh, they don't have talent. And um, Cam Newton is a, a human. You know, Cam Newton is not Cam Newton MVP. And um, I, th I think we have to give uh, credit to Tom Brady last year for making this team look really good. Um, you, can't, you can't give him all the credit. I mean, they've lost 
key pieces, Kyle Van Noy, Chandler Jones, um, Patrick um, Chung, Patrick Chung. I mean, there's a lot of guys that they did not want to sign because of the money that were talented, um, that they drafted. Um, and you know, that goes to Bill Belichick where he, he thinks he can, you know, plug in, uh, regular guys or guys who, or he can find guys, um, that, that can fill in spots, but you can't do it anymore because you don't have the exceptional players like Tom Brady, um, carrying that team. Yeah. Um, that can only work for so long and clearly now. Um, he's at a point where he doesn't really have the young talent and he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. So now he's either going to have to start paying guys in free agency like everybody else, or he's going to need to start drafting better. But, you know, and that was another thing with the Patriots. They didn't really like drafting in the first round. So they didn't have to pay that big bonus that you get for being a first-round pick. So they were, they were a team, you know, much like the, the Seahawks. They like to trade out of the first round, if possible, and, and get more draft collateral. But, you know, like last year, they, they could have had DK Metcalf. They drafted Nikhil Harry. I mean, that was a clear miss. Um, you know, and, and you can look at previous drafts and see where they could have had a solid building block but they just they did the Patriot thing and either traded down or just did not go with the guy that they should have gone with. And now they're seeing the, the consequences of all that. Um, moving on, on, another team that, you know, two and five, that could easily be five and two, it's the Chargers. Um, they went into Denver. They were winning by by three scores and they blew it. Is it time to fire Anthony Lynn? No, not now. Um, if you're going to fire him, you're going to do it at the end of the season. I think you want to at least maintain some continuity for the, for your rookie quarterback and figure out what you have there. Then, you know, get, get a direction for him to go in. Um, if, if you do it now, you, you sort of, you, you lose any progress you've made with, with Herbert. And I think you want to at least keep that going. So if you're going to fire him, fire him at the end of the year. I think it's time to go. Uh, they've lost so many close games um, recently. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't cut it. Um, they have the players, they have the talent. And at the end of the day, um, it it, it, it comes down to coaching. It comes down to coaching. It's mental. It's, you know, you're up by 10 in the fourth quarter, you know, and instead of being conservative, you know, be aggressive or instead of, you know, running this play, you should run that play. And I feel like it's, there's something with Anthony Lynn where I, I just feel like he breaks down when it, when, when the games get close, um, especially now when you have, you have a franchise quarterback now and, and, it, you know, you you have to take advantage of his prime years um and you know there comes a time where you can't give this guy rope anymore you know there's no like like if if the chargers want to be a winning franchise they have to act like winners they can't just accept being average to mediocre and oh yeah it's okay like you know well we'll, we'll get better next year or next game like you have to expect excellence 
day in and day out. And I think that's the problem. I think Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn is a solid coach, but I think there's better coaches out there. Yeah, I think they need to go with more of a – they need to go with a guy that can really bring out the best in Herbert. And I don't think Anthony Lynn will be that long term. Um, I just don't understand what the Chargers play calling – why what's working for two and a half quarters, they just stop doing and just go in a different direction for the last, you know, quarter plus of the game. They did it against Tampa Bay. They did it against Denver. Um, it just, it doesn't make sense. If something's working, why go away from it? If Herbert is hot, keep the ball in his hands. Let him win the game for you. There is like, I understand that sometimes you get, you need to control the, the play clock um, if your offense maybe is not rolling as well as it is. But when you have a guy like Herbert, man, just let him be. Let him throw 50 times if he needs to. They don't have Eckler right now. And, you know, Kelly and Justin Jackson have not really taken a hold of that RB1 spot. So let her leave the ball in Herbert's hands and let him win the game for you. I think that's where they missed. And – I think it's what's going to cost something to win his job. That's why they're two and five. Yeah, I mean, it, it's ultimately going to cost him his job, but I don't think, I don't, I don't believe the move, the right move is to fire him now. I think if you fire him now, you really, you know, you really stop any progress you've made with Justin Herbert. Um, we see it all the time with promising quarterbacks when you get them into a new offensive system that they struggle, you know, they have to get back up to speed. And right now they, they at least have momentum with, with Herbert. They may not be winning, but, they, but they're headed in the correct direction and build off of that. And they don't want to – no one wants to hear, oh, build off of it for next year. But that's what you're doing at this point. You are 2-5. and five. It, it's, it's going to be tough to run the table and make the playoffs – just build off of what you have and figure out what you have so that you can understand what you want to move on from. If you put him into a new offensive system, he's a rookie. You don't know what you're going to get. We already know what we're getting from him. So just stick with what you have for the time being. This is unacceptable right here. 14, 14 of the last 17 games since 2019, they've lost by one score yep. or fewer. To me, that's unacceptable. Like, if you want to win, you, like, you, th something has to change. And I understand what you're saying, Brad, where, you know, Herbert has momentum. But at the same time, you have to start looking for a coach now. You, you have to start doing your research. Like, you have to figure out who is the best person exactly. for this, oh, yeah. this franchise quarterback. And I'm sure that they've already had that internal discussion. They probably have a short list of candidates that they'd like to speak with. But I mean, if you give the, if you know, you give the head coaching duties over to the offensive coordinator, you know, who's, who's going to take up the job of the offensive coordinator now. And you're, you're putting too much pressure or too much on the plate for, a, for a young rookie to have to learn you know, a, another way of doing things. But I've always been more of, if we know that this is not going to be the coach going forward, he just cut ties now. I think that that's a mistake Atlanta made last year with Quinn, and that's why they're where they are this year. Um, so I think 
San Diego are the Chargers are just better off cutting ties now with Anthony Lynn and just taking their chances with, you know, letting Herbert know like, okay, you know, we're going to go in a different direction and just, you know, keep doing your thing this year. We're going to, you know, we're going to be competitive, but we're going to go in a different direction coaching wise. They likely are going to move in a different direction, but give the rookie some stability, you know, in his rookie year. Fire Lynn right now, plug in Gus Bradley as the HC, and then the offensive coordinator can still run the same plays that he's yeah. running with. That's what Atlanta did with Raheem Justin Morris. Justin Herbert. Like, something needs to change. And if, if, if imagine if they lose, you know, another five games, and, and the trend is the same. It's like, where are we going with this? Like, are, are we... Are we are we rewarding our coach for losing all the time? Like, does he really deserve his contract? Like, and the thing too is sometimes you get a boost from a coaching change. Look at Atlanta; they've won two of their last three. They clearly did not want to play for Dan Quinn anymore. He had lost that locker room, and they were you know they love Raheem Morris. I don't know if Raheem Morris will be able to do enough to become the permanent head coach, but you know, you're at least seeing if like, hey, you know, maybe internally we have the guy that should be our head coach. It gives you a chance to evaluate. They, like, I think they're 100% sure that Anthony Lynn will not come back next season. They, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. Um, there's far too much competition in the AFC right now for them to be able to scale back in there. So without a postseason, I don't think there's any way Anthony Lynn can save his job even if he won six of the last nine and finished eight and eight, I don't think that would be enough. But now moving on to the next game, um, the Saints and the Bears, tight one, um, went into overtime. But I think the most memorable part of this game was um, whims from the, the, the Bears throwing his little bitch punches out of, out of nowhere. I mean, what was he thinking? Like, I mean, like he just, you know, he just go, comes up from the side, like the little bratty brother, and just punches the guy in the uh, punches the wasn't it Tyler Johnson Gardner in the in the the helmet? Like, what did he think was going to happen with that? I mean, he didn't even react to he. I, I think he was shocked when he. Uh, when he threw that first punch at him, but I guess he 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 snatched his mouthpiece and spit in his face, and then I guess the next play, Wims was was uh, out of the game, and then he came back two plays later, and I guess they got into it, and then the fight happened. So it it was bush league. Um, I don't understand why players punch each other in the helmet. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna do some stuff, do what. Um, uh, Andre Johnson did to uh, Cortland Finnegan, you know, where you tear off the helmet and then start throwing punches. But exactly, uh, I, I don't it. understand. Yeah, I don't understand why why players punch each other when when they have helmets on. Yeah, but the game itself, um, it was another game that was affected by the weather. Um, very windy. Uh, and, you know, the Saints did what they had to do. They relied on Kamara, 
Um, they're extremely thin right now at receiver. I mean, are we going to see Michael Thomas this season? Who knows? That's really the, the question, isn't it? He, uh, I mean, I feel like now that he's healing from the hamstring injury, he's going to, you know, probably hurt his other hamstring. I feel like they're just making up injuries now to not get to the root of the real issue between Michael Thomas and the club. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was a typical Foles game. Um, moments he looked like a solid starting quarterback, and then other moments – he reminded you why he he is a career backup. Um, he, you know, I I still think that the Bears anything that they're accomplishing this season is because of their defense. I don't really think Foles has been a a step up from uh, Mitch Trubisky. I think if anything, um, maybe he commits a little bit less turnovers. But I don't really think that they have the quarterback position solidified by any means of the imagination um i don't know what you guys think about that but the bears they just look like a team that when the defense doesn't make plays they don't win yeah i mean the bears are good they're, they're, they're to be the surprise team in the nfc no one really saw this coming uh the defense is really just keeping them relevant and and you have to hope you can get more production out of this offense especially you know moving forward in the in the nfc you have teams that are showing up on both sides of the ball um what are you gonna do when you when you run across a team like tampa bay like you really because you're gonna run into them and are you going to have answers right you had an answer the first time around you're not going to get that same type of result again um because they're going to come well prepared and you know, they, they they might very well have an answer for Green Bay, but in, in the playoffs, it, there's going to come a a time when your quarterback or your offense is going to have to make a critical play or string together a drive, and I don't have very much faith in that offense to be able to do that. Really, it's – and we all know what's coming. If they need a drive, they're just going to throw it to A-Rob. And they're going, and teams are just going to figure this out, and and dare them to throw to Anthony Miller or Mooney. Yeah, and you know what I find utterly ridiculous there, Allen Robinson is the offense for Chicago, and they have not paid him. Like, like what the hell are they thinking? Are they really going to test free agency with this guy? Like, he is up there with the elite receivers right now. He has really stepped up the last couple of years in Chicago and he deserves to get paid like like an elite receiver. I mean, without him, that offense is I mean, more mediocre than it is now. He he definitely gets to, uh he's going to get the brink struck uh, this offseason. But what I'm what I'm baffled about is is Matt Nagy. Like there's no creativity. He comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree and that offense is so predictable. It's so predictable. They have Jimmy Graham. They have David Montgomery. Of course, they have Allen Robinson. But they seem to – they're not creative. Well, and, and it's weird because they have guys like Cordell Patterson who they could utilize in creative ways, and they're not. And 
you know, Doug Peterson is another guy that comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. And Philadelphia is another offense that is very predictable. Um, typically, when Wentz is able to make plays, is when they're broken. And he scrambles out of the pocket and he creates something. But, I mean, you know, you kind of know what's coming just based on the plays that they run. And, I mean, they made the Cowboys defense look good on Sunday night. And these are two guys that came from the, the Andy Reid coaching tree. So you got to wonder how much is Andy Reid behind the creativity and, you know, how much is these guys just banking off of his name and, and being on his team. Um, but, yeah, they, the Bears are not – they're stale on offense. And when their defense does not make – any impactful plays, they definitely, um, they struggle. They struggle to um, be able to pull games out. When they are able to pull games out, it's like against Tampa Bay, you know, the defense made stops, defense um, caused trouble, and um, Khalil Mack was able to get in there, um, rip the ball loose, and and that's how they're going to win. They're, they're not going to win pretty. It's going to be defense and, and, and David Montgomery. Yeah, that NFC uh, North is, I think it's still up for grabs. I think Green Bay, uh, obviously the weakness is, is the run defense. Uh, Chicago, the weakness is the offense. Uh, Detroit could be a sneaky team if they get it together. I mean, they have pieces, um, obviously Matt Stafford at the quarterback position. Um, they're, they're decent on defense as well. So, um, But that I think it's going to be a tight race, um, especially if Green Bay can't figure out that, uh, that run defense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Green Bay can't figure out the pass rush. It will be a tighter race than it should be. But Green Bay is by far the top team in that in that division. Um, close, closing out the, the Sunday afternoon games, oh, Brad's 49ers. Um, they, they should be called the, the, the San Francisco Injury Reserve. Um, I don't. I think they're probably they're down to like what options three and four on most positions now. Yeah, um, I mean they've just been bitten hard with this um, injury bug. Um, you go down the positions, you know, quarterback. They have the backup in running back. I mean they've gone through backups and backups. They're on the back- practice squad, Jamichael Hasty. Um, yeah, you take a look at wide receiver. They're on the rookie tight end. You know they're on Ross Dwelly and. Ned Reed. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely hurting right now. And, you know, these injuries have been sustained and it's one of, it's one of those things where you hope you can salvage a season and doesn't look like they're going to be able to because they play in the NFC West. Um, But you still want them to go out there and be competitive and still develop talent and, and see what you have with the rest of the team. I'm interested to see what actually comes out. You know, we can actually see development from Brandon Ayuk. We can we can start to see development from from other pieces because it's now just not going to be Debo and Kittle and Mostert. You give other guys an opportunity, and maybe you find a different identity for the team. You know who does have an identity? The Seahawks. Man, 
Big K Metcalf is a different type of beast. When you look at the sheer size of that man and you see how he can run, you have to ask yourself, what the fuck were scouts talking about when they said that, that they had questions about him? Questions about what? He has the hands. He can catch. Oh, I, that they didn't know if he could um, run the routes. It's like when you look at his size and his speed, I'm pretty sure you can figure out routes for, for DK Metcalf. And he seems to be running them just fine in Seattle. But it's just crazy to think that this man was passed up. And, I mean, the Eagles drafted J.J. White, Artiega, or whatever that guy's name is. Arcega Whiteside. Arcega Whiteside. There we go. They drafted him above D.K. Metcalf, Brad. Please tell me what Philadelphia saw in, in Whiteside that they did not see in D.K. Metcalf. I mean, it's all hindsight. I mean, you go in there and you scout these guys, Wait, and, and, you, and, and people are going to miss. I mean, If you look at D.K. Metcalf's college – um, you know, game tape, you're going to see what you're seeing right now in Seattle. He was a highlight reel. No, his, his, his college tape wasn't that impressive at Old Miss. I mean, A.J. Brown was, a, was arguably the better receiver on that team. Um, I can see why teams overlooked him. You, you honestly don't know what you have until you get the player in, in your facility and, and, on the, and on the team. And yeah, a bunch of teams miss, but you know that that's up to the scouting departments. It's not just you know, it's Seattle is not the only team that got it right. Seattle said that they had him as a top receiver in the draft, and that if they would have had a draft pick in the first round, they would have drafted him in the first round. Yep, and I, I mean that's Seattle's scouting department. Not everyone scouts the same way. But you mean to tell me that all the teams that passed up on them don't regret it now? Oh, they all regret it. I mean, as good as Devo Samuel is, if you had to choose between Devo Samuel and DK Metcalf, I'm sure you'd take DK Metcalf now. Yeah. Nikhil Harry, Marquise Brown. I mean, yeah, I mean, he got he got passed up. And he's, uh, he's, he's, he's proven all these people wrong. I mean, he's only 22 years old. He's, you know, he's, people call him the new Megatron. He's a big body. He's a freak. But yeah, he's, he's a freak. faster than Megatron. Mm-hmm. He's a freak. But he's a faster Megatron. McCall. But he has hands like Megatron. Kansas City could have got him too. Because they had a pick 56 in the second round. Nicole Hardman. Yeah. I mean, it just it goes to show you, you know. Andy Isabella <laughs> was Andy two was two, was one pick before him. Yeah, <laughs> before him, a guy with two first names. Arizona trusted a guy with two first names over DK Metcalf. Yeah, he's he's going to be good for a long time. Oh yeah, and the thing about him is, you know, the day that he loses that that top end speed, he still has the size. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, that was a clear miss by all 31 football teams that did not draft him. Um, I don't think anyone should be barred from hitting their head on the wall on that one. 
Um, but the game itself, Seattle controlled it. Um, I think uh, um, Jimmy G got bailed out by saying that his ankle hurts again. Um, but I think that he would have gotten pulled regardless. He was playing terrible. He, um, he, this season, he has not been the same. I think ever since his um, choke job in the Super Bowl, he has not mentally been there. I think it's affected him. And, you know, as it does any quarterback that comes that close to winning the Super Bowl, you know. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like it's an injury-riddled season. And I think the best thing that can happen to Jimmy G is San Francisco just putting him on the IR, just letting him heal up, you know, because there's no point in bringing him back in four weeks if he's going to re-aggravate the same injury again. And then we finished the night off with Cowboys and the Eagles. Ben fucking Danucci's debut in the NFL. Man, it was just as expected, you know. He looked like a rookie. Yeah, he, uh, he threw a good sidearm sidearm pass. You got to give him credit. He can't. I mean, you know, Matt Stafford thought no one could better than him, but I think this guy, he can throw a pretty mean uh, sidearm pass. But – Man, I you know, I don't even blame Ben fucking Danucci in this. You know, I blame Mike McCarthy. He really couldn't come up with anything creative for this guy. It's like, okay, I got a rookie in there. Like, you know what? We're expected to lose this game. Let me just get a little creative with this guy. His version of creative was just trying to do end the rounds, laterals, and, you know, the, the Eagles weren't buying it. Um, I think, you know, if you're, if you're a quarterback – if you play the quarterback position, and ever since you were a little baby and you started throwing that football and you were told, like, hey, you throw the spiral pretty good, you, you're meant to be a quarterback. If you're, you know, if you go through college and they tell you, like, hey, you throw that spiral pretty good, I think you can make it to the pros. And, you know, regardless of whether you're undrafted or drafted, if you're on one of those 32 teams, that means that you threw the ball pretty good in college. And you have guys like CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup, you know, Dalton Schultz, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott. Like, you mean to tell me that, that they couldn't come up with a playbook to where this fucking guy could throw to them? Yeah. I mean, take a look at how complicated an NFL playbook is. And you want to install a, a new offense? No, okay. okay. No, 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 no. Not, it's not about – but when you bring in guys like – like Lamar Jackson, you always talk about how they simplify the playbook. Exactly. And, and see, so, so when we're dealing with that, you at least know Lamar is going to come in, right? So you have time to get him prepared. How many reps do we know that Danucci had? We can only count on the, the reps that he got when we knew Dalton was concussed and he wasn't going to be there for this week. He's not getting the reps with the actual first team. He's not getting the full playbook. I mean, this is really just a single week, and there's not much you can do installation-wise of an offense, so you really have to simplify it, and you're going to high school and college-style plays, which is what they did. I didn't expect them to have, you know, a pro-style offense, a full installation with, with you know, a, a truckload of plays. I expected a couple of plays here and there, maybe a couple of plays that he really liked and they just install and get it going. And at the same time, defensively, remember, let, let's remember who they're going up against Philadelphia and, and Swartz. And they know what they're doing defensively. They knew that they had a weak installation. They couldn't get a full offense in there. 
you you can do one of two things blitz him and he can hit the hot read and maybe he gets lucky or you can confuse the hell out of him with exotic packages and man zone and bracket coverages and that's exactly what they did i mean like sam darnold he was probably seeing ghosts out there and for a first game to go up against that it's an exotic defense which i'm sure he's never going to see again No, this is a Mike McCarthy. He, he, he's getting out coached every week. Oh, he I mean, absolutely is. But I don't expect him to to get a a a full installation of a playbook for. And I wouldn't either. But it's like, come on! At the end of the day, you still have Ceedee Lamb and and Amari Cooper out there. You mean to tell me that this fucking guy who's played college uh, quarterback his whole career, they can't create a playbook where they go like, okay, that fucking guy is a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Just get him the ball. Oh, if only it was that easy. Listen, get him the ball when it's man coverage. Get him the ball when it's middle field open close or in a cover three shell. There's just so much that goes on. And But they weren't even trying to go down the field, Brad. It's like they were, they were hoping to get close enough to get a field goal. That's what they were playing for. They were playing for the three points. Yeah, that's probably what they that, – that was probably their game plan. And – I mean, at the end of the day, you're two and five. Like, why are you being so conservative? Like, I mean, yeah, it kept them close until the fourth quarter. But at the end of the day, wouldn't it have been better for them to – I mean, this is a throwaway game. This guy is a one-time starter. You know, he's not a guy that you're really looking at having in there. So wouldn't it have been better to just, you know, give your wideouts, your Pro Bowl wideouts that you pay so much money to – a chance to make plays. Yeah, that, that team is lost right now. They're getting out coached. Uh, they don't believe in each other, and uh, they have Ben DiNucci starting as quarterback. Yeah, and you know, if you want to talk about milk cartons, we should put Ezekiel Elliott on one too. I mean, because if that was the playbook, Brad, then why not just give it to him for 50, uh, 50 carries? Sure that they probably considered it, but I mean he hasn't looked this the same. I mean if they're they the trying Vikings. to get the ball in other playmakers' hands when you see all the when you see all the end arounds, the boots, you know, all the trickeration, trying to get the the defense to move, you know, sideline to sideline and then attack them vertically. And 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 Philly came out well prepared and that's what they were expecting. Um, you know, th- there wasn't much that they could do. Offensively, I I wasn't expecting much from that team. And Philadelphia wasn't much better offensively. They they looked atrocious on, on offense. Um, I mean, they you know the score might confuse you, but none of those point nine of those points came via the defense, and the referee is not not properly looking at the replay. But the offense looked terrible. Um, Wentz, you know, some games he just he looks great, and then other games. It, it's, you know, he makes head-scratching decisions, and this was one of those games where he did his best to give it to the Cowboys, but the Cowboys were just mediocre enough to where even with all the gifts they received, they could not do anything with them. Yeah, it, it's funny because Wentz always points out his flaws during the post game, and the thing is, is he never corrects them. And it's so weird because his first two years, he was so good. He and and I think I think 
seven interceptions was um, uh, his interception or his highest interception total. And now he surpassed, I think he has 12 right now. Um, and, and he's also fumbling the ball. Um, I think he's, I think he's thinking too much. I, I, you know, he's talented, you know, he has the arm, he's a great playmaker. Uh, but I, I think because a lot of, you know, his weapons are are out right now, I think he's overthinking things. And I think he, I think he's like, man, I, I have to, I have to win the game every time. Like I have to put this team on my back and, you know, he'll, he'll, instead of throwing the ball out of bounds, he'll, you know, he'll get sacked for minus 10 yards. And I'm like, man, like if, if you just made the smart plays and, and, and played smart, this team would be so much better. And the thing is he's done that before. It's not like, it's not like Daniel Jones where Daniel Jones hasn't shown it. Like Carson Wentz has shown the ability to play smart. And right now he's not playing smart. Can this be corrected? I think it can. But right now it's just like, man, like, like what you said, he almost gave the game up. And you can't do that in the NFL, especially. I mean, you can't do it in the NFC East because they're, Philly's for sure going to win the NFC East. But, you know, any other division, it, it, you're done. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, they got very lucky to pull it out because they were playing a third-string quarterback. But – any other team, they would have gotten blown out with the way that they played on Sunday. And they have a lot of thinking to do in their bye week. And finally, we finish off with Monday Night Football. The Bucks, you know, they I think they overlooked the Giants, and they very nearly lost it. Um, but they, they pulled it out. Tom Brady was Tom Brady. And... They look ready for, for New Orleans on Sunday. Um, were you guys surprised that New York played them so close? Yes. Yes. Sloppy first half. They got it corrected, which is what you want to see. You want to see the second half adjustments. Um, New York was, was way more competitive in the second half than I was imagining. Um, but, you know, New York, they're actually a solid football team. Uh, they're trying to find winning ways, and I think they're on the right path. But, you know, you expected more from Tampa Bay. They got the end result. And, you know, it doesn't hurt them that bad, but definitely needs to be corrected, the deficiency that they had. One of the biggest deficiencies they have is that their running backs can't hold on to the ball. Mm -hmm. You know, Ronald Jones got benched today because of that. And you have to wonder if, you know, Fournette's going to be the starter this upcoming week. Until until Fournette does something that Arians doesn't like, and then he gets benched. I mean, it's just going to be a, a guessing game. Yeah, they're another team with a three, you know, three back rotation. Well, three and a half because I feel like um, LaShawn McCoy is like a situational guy that'll bring him for some passing downs. But um, yeah, it seems like you know Arians really goes with the flavor of the month, whoever or flavor of the week, whoever he feels is. Got the hand, hot hand, that's who he goes with. But, you know, moving away from, from football, um, we got the trade deadline tomorrow. I mean, we had some minor deals today. Do you guys expect anything to come up tomorrow? Um, talks of Will Fuller moving. I don't think he moves. Um, I, think, uh, I think Houston wants uh, – high compensation for him 
Um, in terms of the defensive side, um, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, you know, he, a team like Seattle could probably use him. Or, or, Tack, McKin- or Tack McKinley, yeah. Um, but in terms of big names, I don't, I don't really expect anything. Yeah, the NFL trade deadline is not like the NBA trade deadline. They don't, you don't typically see any big moves in the middle of the NFL season. We might see some minor moves like we saw today, San Francisco trading Quan Alexander, but you're not going to see like the big splash moves. Like, you know, like um, I don't think we're going to see Wolf Fuller move or Michael Thomas, anything like that. I just don't think there's enough time for that. Something like that you have to – have time to come up with the proper compensation package. I think Will Fuller's a guy that could be moved on draft day. You know, if if um, Houston has a guy that they see in the draft and they want him at that spot, I could see them dangling Will Fuller to get up in the draft. Um, but if if Houston does trade one of the receivers, I think it, it will be um, Randall Cobb. Because Brandon Cooks, you traded a second-round pick for. Unless they give you a second-round pick for him, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, redeal a guy that I, I spent a high draft pick on for, you know, for a fourth-rounder or a fifth-rounder. That would just be stupid. But Randall Cobb is, you know, the type of guy that could easily be on the radar of his old team, the, the Packers, or any playoff contender. He's a solid, he's a solid locker room guy. And he's playing good football this year. So he could be a guy that's on the move. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it, um, you know, there typically aren't any big-time moves. Any moves that you see is usually to address an issue due to injury or, you know, to generate some sort of – or to cover up a deficiency like a pass rush or coverage issue. I think one that you might see might be a sound reddick to the Steelers. With uh, with Devin Bush going out, I think the Steelers are going to have to address that. Um, you know, just going going down the road. Um, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, he, he's one of those names that 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 people are talking about. I could see a team like uh, like Miami, uh, or or you know, any other team that that that, or maybe even the Steelers. You know, they could be another one of those teams that that might be interested in the service. And I think that's as hot those are the type of names that you're going to generate um you know to to move a will fuller fuller is going to take a lot of work and there's just not enough time unless they've already been discussing it so you know i just see you know situational players maybe some linemen move around nothing major Steelers did acquire um avery williamson from the uh, nets so i and did you see his instagram post Yes, that was funny. Oh, it was a good one. Yeah. Was, was that Going photoshopped or was that real? Was that a real picture? Real. Oh, wow. That, that picture Going from 0-7 oh, to 7-0. and 0. Yeah. I would, I would hail a cab to try and get Pittsburgh as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just so it cannot be undone. I'd be like, no, no, no. You, no take backs. Mm-hmm. Were you guys surprised with the uh, Desmond King trade, uh, getting a six-rounder, the Chargers? Yeah, he's been playing well. I, I thought they could get more for him. I know he's had issues in the past with, like, um, injuries, but, you know, he's been healthy this year and he had been playing well. Um, but apparently, you know, they, they thought six-round pick was proper compensation. I thought it wasn't, but 
you know, that's why these GMs get paid the big bucks. They, I guess they figure they can find uh, something good in the sixth round of the next year's draft. Plus they get out of whatever is left on his contract. So, yeah, uh, that, that was one of those moves that made sense. Uh, you take a look at Tennessee, Tennessee defensively, they have to figure some things out and making the move to Desmond King was, was a smart move on their behalf because they're one of those teams that are looking to get to the Super Bowl because that piece is in place. And I, I, I think that that was a smart move by Tennessee, by both organizations. You know, there were talks of uh, him going to Arizona to address some of their uh, coverage issues out there as well because, you know, you, you got Patrick Peterson, but teams are really attacking Drake Kirkpatrick, and that's where they're going. That's what they did with Tyler Lockett. Um, you know, teams that are looking for a solid piece uh, in the secondary, you know, they, they were probably in talks with, with the Chargers for King. Interesting. Um, and now moving away from football to finish up tonight. Um, why don't you guys to maybe discuss a little bit uh, what you thought of Anderson Silva's last fight and maybe how you feel about his legacy in the UFC? Um. I thought I thought the last fight he was actually um impressive. I thought he uh was very aggressive and um I th- I think he just fought a guy who's um younger, who's better than him now uh, in Uriah Hall. And um I think it's time for Anderson to uh you know to to uh, uh to retire. I mean his legacy um is is definitely uh you know, pound per pound, one of the best uh, MMA fighters of all time. But I think him holding on, you know, the last, you know, five, five, to, five to seven years hurt his legacy in terms of being the the best of all time. Um, you know, imagine if he retired, you know, you know, pre Chris Weidman, we would be saying he's the goat of of MMA. But uh, you know, him breaking his leg, him losing. Um, definitely hurt his his legacy, but for me, he's definitely one of the best MMA fighters of all time. Uh, his run as champion was insane, and just the way he would put people away with his accuracy and and uh, you know moving up from middleweight or moving up from uh, middleweight to light heavyweight and 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 you know knocking Force Griffin out with the with the jab. I mean, stuff like that to me was amazing. So. Uh, definitely, um, he's definitely in the GOAT category in terms of top five, uh, but definitely the last five to seven years has hurt his legacy. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I mean, after the two defeats to Weidman, um, he hasn't looked the same, and it's shown. I mean, the no contest to Diaz, the loss to Bisbing and Cormier, he bounced back against uh, Brunson, but he loses against, you know, Israel, uh, Ken Neer and Uriah. Um, you, I mean, it just leaves a bad taste in the mouth. We're, we're all going to remember, you know, the good times, but it's sort of hard to forget these losses. Um, yeah, it definitely drops him out of, you know, the the, the top contention for the, the ultimate spot. Um, now I think that's really reserved for two people, you know, GSP and Johnny. Um, but Silva for a while was in that discussion. Now, unfortunately, he drops out of that discussion. He's still a goat, you know, one of the greats to ever do it. But he's just not up there with GSP or or Johnny. 
Yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, any sport, you know, sometimes you just got to know when to let it go. You know, I think Emmett Smith, even though he holds the rushing record, I think it does tarnish his legacy that his last three or four years, he was extremely mediocre. And um, he literally stuck around to get the rushing record. Um, so I, I, I think sometimes people stick around way past their prime. And, yeah, it definitely um, it, it, it leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. But, you know, hopefully he finally retires after this and he realizes that, you know what, I have nothing left to prove. I've done a lot of amazing things in my career and let me go enjoy life. Yeah, I mean, it's a career he should be proud of. It's, it's weird in combat sports, a lot of guys stick around. Like a lot of guys, they tend to, Roy Jones, uh, Anderson Silva, uh, BJ Penn, these guys stick around. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's because of the money or it, it's because that's all they know. But for some reason in combat sports, these guys that that have, you know, very good legacies, they stick around and and they just they just diminish with sticking around. I think a lot of it, you know, has to do with like unless you're like a Mike Tyson or like a Floyd Mayweather, you're not gonna get those paychecks like they do, and you know, like when you're like an elite quarterback in the NFL where you know you're going to get like a $100 million contract. Some of these guys, you know, they never get to that point. So they feel like, okay, no, I don't have enough saved up. I got to keep fighting, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think money does become a big issue. They, they don't know what they're going to do with the rest of their life. And they, they think, well, you know, even if I'm not at my best, they'll still pay me six figures to fight this guy. Right. So yeah, Speaking I think money does become Yes, speaking of uh, Roy Jones and Mike Tyson, they're fighting this month, so that that's a fight that is going to be insane. Yeah. It's going to be insane. You look at you know you look at the shape that Mike Tyson's in, yeah, and Roy Jones is always in good shape, so it's going to be a crazy fight. I mean, they're both in their fifties, but I mean, you know, I don't think that anyone's expecting them to have a technical fight here. I think it's going to be who knocks out who first. I think if they're not, one of them doesn't knock out the other by the end of the second round, they will both be knocked out by how winded they're going to be. <laughs> Nate Robinson is also on that card too. So he's yes. making his debut. Yes. You know, he went from basketball to the big three to, uh, <laughs> to now boxing. The boxing ring. And yeah, and to finish off, um, any thoughts on the knockout from Gervonta Davis? It would, it, yeah, slipping the punch. Um, well, Mayweather says the best pound for pound now. Uh, I think Canelo, Canelo has an argument. Um, but you know, slipped the punch, hit him with the uppercut. Um, it was a good fight back and forth. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz is a very good fighter, um, and it was very close. Um, um, until that knockout. So, uh, Gervonta Davis, give him credit. He's an up-and-coming fighter. Um, I do want to see him fight um, Tiafimo Lopez. I think that fight would be insane. Um, I think Tiafimo is better than him, um, especially taking out Lomachenko. But um, in terms of the pound-for-pound pound list, I don't think he's on there. Uh, Canelo's on there for me, Terrence Crawford, um, Tiafimo Lopez after beating uh, Lomachenko. I agree. 
but it's, it was, it's too it premature. Was, it was a highlight reel knockout, though. So he definitely has a bright future, and he has the best mouthpiece in the game behind him. So I mean, <laughs> he w- he will be relevant one way or another, thanks to right. Floyd Mayweather. Oh yeah. But all righty, guys, that's our show. I hope you enjoy. Till the next one, it's the fifth down. Hey, Take it easy, guys. <laughs>